There are three big problems with used vehicle appraisals. One, manually sifting through comp vehicles. Two, old book values and ghost comps. Three, no recon visibility. You can solve them all with AutoVision. Now available from Reynolds and Reynolds. Learn more at reyrey.com slash used cars. That's R-E-Y, R-E-Y dot com slash used dash cars. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year automotive news digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to this weekend drive edition of Daily Drive for the third week in February 2024. I'm Jamie Butters, executive editor of Automotive News in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today, we're breaking down some of the biggest stories in the auto industry from the past week and looking forward to what's in store in the days ahead. In a few minutes, we'll look at how dealers are adjusting to a new system for offering EV tax credits at the point of sale. Many dealers were kind of stuck in a loop. They're kind of in this back and forth with an IRS email, trying to find answers. But first, hello, Jamie. Welcome to Saturday. Hey, Kel. How's the weekend going? It's good. Let's get started, sir. So we chatted earlier this week about BYD setting up an EV factory in Mexico. Now, you know, I know everyone knows that BYD is a Chinese company and we know that they won't qualify for EV tax credits. But what if a cheap EV is exported to the United States? How would that affect the U.S. market and the legacy automakers? Oh, it could be trouble. I mean, Elon Musk said it could demolish the auto industry. You know, if they can come in with something that's under $20,000, even if they don't get any tax credits, even if they face a little bit of a tariff, you know, they're going to be super competitive and put a lot of pressure on the incumbents that are just trying to get to some vehicles that might be $30,000 or less. So, yeah, it could be really devastating. On the flip side, it could provide some great opportunities for consumers and for auto dealers who want to get in with a new brand and try it out, but it would definitely be disruptive to say the least. Gotcha. So could the U.S. government, if they really wanted to, Jamie, just ban BYD entirely from importing into the United States? Is that even legal? <laughs> I guess, uh, you know, if Congress is the one who writes the laws. Uh, there would definitely be a you know World Trade Organization uh, complaint about something like that. But I would not rule out that that Congress or the White House could try to find ways to keep Chinese brands out of the market or maybe add an extra tariff or you know tax or penalty to them to make up for the fact that they are so subsidized by the Chinese government that arguably them selling even a vehicle made in Mexico could be seen as like dumping because there's just so much government support for the technology and the minerals and the labor behind it. Yeah, I just asked that question because, you know, I listened to what you said in the beginning about how, you know, there could be tariffs and all these things that could, you know, definitely slow down BYD's progress in the United States. But like if they're putting out a 15 maybe even $17,000 EV. I don't even think any of that would even matter. Yeah, they would have a huge cost advantage. Gotcha. Uh, also, this week, Waymo issued a recall of the software powering its robo-taxis after two different vehicles hit the same truck. 
What is the future of self-driving taxis? I feel like ever since the cruise incident in San Francisco, there's been a lot of slowing down of self-driving taxis. How long do you think it will take companies to get this self-driving thing right? Or will it just take more trial and error? You know, that's uh, that's the billion dollar question. You know, Cruise had plans to reach, you know, a billion dollars in revenue and then keep growing from there. They expected it to be a really huge business by the end of this decade. Of course, Cruise is kind of out of commission at the moment, trying to find their way back into a market, someplace where it can you know, rebuild their credibility, develop better government relations, and then resume their growth plans, obviously delayed by a year or two. Waymo has had a lot you know, slower and steadier progress. Um, obviously, the setback uh, with the the need for the recall after after hitting the one truck twice, uh, kind of a special case, and luckily no one was hurt in that. It seems that the, you know the cruise timeline, the original cruise timeline, was probably too aggressive. Uh, the technology isn't quite ready. It's obviously really challenging uh, <laughs> to do all this. But it does seem like it could be doable. Maybe it's not until late in this decade. Maybe it's more of a 2030s thing. Still limitations probably for ice and snow and stuff where you, you know, if you can't see the markers and the lanes on the road. Uh, but it could be something that is a real thing across at least the sunny parts of America in our lifetime. All right, Jamie. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm, you know, I live here in Vegas. I'm a gambling man. So here we go. <laughs> Five years. Are you taking the over or the under? Five years for it to be widespread across the South? Yes. Under. Under? I, I don't think that, or I mean, I'm, I think, I don't think it's going to make it widespread. I think it would take more than five years. So if that's, okay. I'm not sure. Is that the over? So you're um, taking the over. If the bet is on time, I'm taking the over. Yeah, I okay. think we're looking probably more than five years, maybe more like 10. Okay, for a second there, I was like, dang, dude, you're living on the edge. Um, <laughs> according to J.D. Power, EV charging is becoming more reliable, but availability is getting worse. Uh, Jamie, you know this. EV adoption isn't growing dramatically overnight. So are we in a stage where charging infrastructure will just have to catch up with itself? Yeah, it's a really awkward stage in the development, obviously, of EVs, but also of the charging network because – you know, most of the incumbent automakers have all said they're going to switch to Tesla's North American charging standard, but they're not there yet. They're not selling vehicles with that new plug on it. So, you know, a lot of consumers are kind of thinking maybe I'll wait a year or two until everyone is using the Tesla chargers. And even for the build out of the network, like what should be installed and how are you going to make sure that everything is flexible enough for the needs of the consumers? So it's a real challenge right now. This availability issue, you know, we, we've talked about off the air, you know, what can happen when somebody needs some charge and they have the access to the charger and the special parking spot, they fill up their battery, but they're still, you know, watching a movie or eating dinner or shopping in the mall. And so then someone else who maybe really needs a charge can't get there because the spot is taken. No, yeah, you're right. I mean, I own a Tesla and every EV owner is guilty of it. We'll even do a thing where you don't even need to charge your car, but you're still just parked in the EV spot because you oh, feel, no. well, I own an EV so I can park here, right? That's a big issue. And one thing that Tesla does very well is, and I believe, I don't know, I'm not sure if they do this with the CCS chargers too, but in Tesla chargers, let's say if your car is done being charged, 
Well, then if your car is still plugged in, you get charged an idle fee. So over time, it'll keep racking up, racking up, racking up your idle fee. So you may be there for a $4 charge, but by the time you get back to your car, that might have turned into a $15 charge. Tesla, I feel like, got that part figured out, but I'm not sure if, if they're doing that at all with the CCS chargers. Yeah, that's one way to uh, change human behavior. Absolutely. Attack their pocketbook. Coming up, there's a new system for offering EV tax credits at the point of sale, but it hasn't been a smooth process for many dealers. We'll hear more about that next on Weekend Drive. Data is the backbone of your used vehicle department, but finding the right data and using it to build accurate comp sets can be difficult. How often do you find yourself making manual adjustments to pricing recommendations? Reynolds' newest inventory management solution, AutoVision, can help. Jose Mendoza, general manager at San Leandro Honda, explains how AutoVision sets his business apart. Everybody's going on third-party vendor sites to see what they're priced at out there. Everybody's uh, looking at auction data. Everybody's looking at transaction data, if you can get it. So the only thing that, that, that really is going to make it different for you is what you're selling them at. So I, I think you have to weigh that a little bit heavier than you do everything else. It doesn't matter if the market says you can sell this car for $30,000 if the last three you've sold have been at 27. We have reports set up through our DMS, through, through Reynolds and & Reynolds, and through AutoVision, which is what we use for our uh, used cars. And we have reports set up in those. And it's something that, that I think is, is important to constantly be talking about and constantly be, be going over. AutoVision can help you run your used vehicle department with precise comp sets, real-time inventory data, and reconditioning insights. Visit reyrey.com used cars to find out more. That's reyrey.com slash used dash cars. Welcome back to Weekend Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. The Inflation Reduction Act has had a profound impact on the U.S. EV market since President Joe Biden signed it into law in 2022. But the changes keep coming. Starting last month, dealers are now able to provide those incentives to customers right at the point of sale essentially providing a down payment for customers with the click of a button. But it hasn't been totally seamless for all of the retailers. Audrey LaForest covers government and lobbying for us at Automotive News. I caught up with her about this issue from her home office in Washington, D.C. Audrey LaForest, welcome to Weekend Drive. Thanks so much for having me, Jamie. You and Lindsay Van Holy have been working on a story about the EV tax credits that are now available to be applied at the point of sale where people can use them as part of their down payment. Uh, how's that been going? Yeah, so it's been interesting. I think there's definitely a mix from dealers. Some are very excited that the point of sale option is taking effect now. Others are still a bit of cautious, hesitant. But overall, you know, dealers were able to register for this new government website called IRS Energy Credits Online. That started November 1st. Initial registration went well. The issue that dealers are now facing, though, is they have to register to be able to offer the credit at the point of sale or for their customer to at least apply it at the point of sale because it all goes through this IRS portal. So dealers are going through the process of submitting information. They have to submit banking information because you know the IRS will repay them for that upfront discount. 
And that's sort of where they're hitting roadblocks. So is it, it's uh, the problem is for dealers getting their businesses registered with the portal, or it's actually on the transaction, you know, someone's trying to buy a car, they need the money and they can't get the system to work. So from most dealers, what we've heard is that it has to do with the registration. So it's that second piece of it. You know, they registered for the portal initially, you know, some as early as November 1st, when they decided to sign up to offer, uh, Treasury calls them advanced payments, which is the point of sale piece of this. That's where they, they've been experiencing some technical glitches. So many dealers, you know, were unable to even offer that as an option for interested EV buyers because everything has to be submitted through the IRS portal. The um, They're called like time of sale reports. So that's what a dealer would be submitting. And that sort of secures that transaction. And then it applies the, in some cases, $7,500 credit at the point of sale for the customer. But many dealers were kind of stuck in a loop. You know, they weren't getting the proper notifications on the website when they tried to register to offer the the credit in advance. So they're kind of in this back and forth with an IRS email, trying to find answers. You know, one of the issues that dealers were bringing up was, you know, if I can't offer this at my store, then the customer might go to the competitor down the street who can. So it was also sort of like there's this like, you know, business strategy competition aspect of all of this too. You know, we also had an instance to where one dealer was just fronting the money for the $7,500 credit for new EVs. And, you know, to be determined how that plays out because the time of sale reports do also have to be submitted within three days of um, the transaction. So, you know, there's there's kind of some gray areas here. You mentioned the competitive aspect. I mean, these are really large incentives, you know, really valuable to consumers and really important for being able to close these deals. And, you know, for anybody who would qualify, you know, we think back to when incentives were considered you know, unhealthy and extreme, and they were like in the three thousands, uh, and and so the fact that these can be you know double that, um, you know, it's it just makes the huge difference between you know an EV being more expensive than a ICE vehicle or actually being less expensive. So yeah, very important competitive dynamic for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's like leading up to all of this, too. You know, we saw dealers over the last few months speaking out against some of the Biden administration's EV policies, such as, you know, the EPA vehicle emissions proposal that's expected to be finalized, I believe, as soon as next month. You know, so dealers are kind of like they're they you know, they're all in on EVs, as we've we've heard plenty of times they're still skeptical in some cases, you know, it also depends very much on the state they're located in the market and whatnot. But I think generally, you know, what I got from speaking with uh, some of the dealers was that this option to be able to provide their customer with an upfront discount is something that can, you know, can only help to for them to sell new and used EVs, you know, who doesn't want an upfront discount, something that you don't have to wait a year to get, you know, if, if you were filing it, on your taxes, like the credit was designed previously. 
So some of these, a lot of these problems are, you know, on the, the front end, I know there was one, you know, where there was a problem because the, the company's uh, legal name had an ampersand in the first, you know, few characters. Are they figuring out what the problems are and what does the IRS have to say about the glitches in their system? Yeah. So if you look at the IRS FAQs, they actually address the ampersand issue. And they've even had cases to where if you're using a hyphen in your name, that that might trigger an issue with the system when you're registering to offer the credits. So they've told me that they're definitely aware that some dealers are experiencing technical issues. They're working very quickly to resolve it. I think dealers, especially the ones that I spoke with, are were hoping that Treasury and the IRS would address the issue sooner, you know, maybe before January 1st. But it is also, you know, in their defense, this is the first time they're offering an EV tax credit at the point of sale like this at the federal level. So I I guess in some ways, you know, there are kinks that need to be worked out. And we're just we're seeing it all, like especially the last over the last couple of months. You know, it's really important you mentioned that you know, dealers really struggled with the cash for clunkers program, you know, which was intended to get older, less fuel efficient vehicles off the road and into the scrapyard uh, and help people buy, you know, newer, more fuel efficient cars. But the dealers said it would take them, you know, weeks to get paid. And, you know, that can be really expensive for them when they're trying to help the government do, you know, it's what it's trying to do, help them achieve what they're trying to do. So, yeah, being able to apply those to the down payments is hugely important for the consumers and getting the dealers reimbursed in a timely manner when they might be out thousands or tens of thousands of dollars at a time uh, is really important. I know we're, we're highlighting the the problems. That's what we do as journalists, uh, but I know, you know you've talked with dealers and advisors, consultants who say they're really seeing both. There are some that have gone through smoothly and there are some that have had these uh, had these struggles. Uh, is there any sense of proportion? Are the are the problem ones uh, the outliers or is it 50 50? Is there any sense of that? You know what? I think that's still it's unclear. But, you know, I will point to the Treasury Department just this past week on uh, February 14th, I believe, had said that they had since January 1st and through February 6th, they had issued $135 million in advance payments to dealers. So, I mean, it's hard. I don't know necessarily what to compare that to, but it at least shows that, you know, dealers are getting repaid and they're using the portal to process these advance payments. So for some dealers, yeah, like it is working. And, you know, I did talk to a few dealers that like didn't necessarily have any issues. You know, there might've been, I think in some cases, payments might've taken longer, a 48 to 72 hour timeframe that the treasury had said initially. But for the most part, if they had to wait a week, they were still okay with that. The Inflation Reduction Act incentives also apply to used EVs. Have there been any special problems with those as well or, or new opportunities for dealers with those? I would say for the most part, they have to go through the same portal, whether or not it's a used EV or a new EV. So the issues that dealers have been experiencing with the portal, if they've had those technical glitches, it's happening on both sides of it. I've talked to used car dealers as well as new car dealers that have experienced some of the same issues with signing up to be able to offer those point of sale credits. 
the lease incentive works a little differently. Is that involved in the portal or is that a completely different uh, procedure with the IRS? So as I understand it, there is absolutely no IRS portal needed for the 45W uh, commercial clean vehicle credit. That one obviously too does not have the same restrictions in terms of buyer income, vehicle price, we're battery, battery sourcing, sourcing yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we've we've gone into it on on previous episodes. So. But I think it just to make sure people are clear, this is only related to the sales, sales of new, sales of used, and maybe some progress in the process and uh, more that needs to be accomplished. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. To be clear, this is for the 30D and the 25E tax credits for new and used vehicles, respectively. So. Any last thoughts on the subject? I would say, you know, it it remains to be seen, I guess, too, just how this all plays out over the course of the year. If other issues do emerge, may, if payments start maybe getting more delayed, especially as more if more EVs do qualify down the road. You know, so I my eyes and ears will be open for any and all issues or even, you know, success stories, all of the above. Audrey LaForest is our reporter in Washington. She covers regulatory and legislative matters for us at Automotive News. Audrey, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks so much, Jamie. That's all for this weekend drive edition of Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on EV tax credits, BYD's plans for North America, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. We're off on Monday for the President's Day holiday here in the U.S. Come back on Tuesday for my conversation with Tom Donnelly, President and CEO of Mazda North America. Our customer satisfaction scores are the best they've ever been. Our owner loyalty is the best it's ever been. Our service retention is the best it's ever been. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.